0: stalking and unwanted sexual advances, physical assault, non-sexual in nature, and depiction of post-traumatic stress disorder, including violent flashbacks to trench warfare and hand-to-hand combat. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester, and Liminal Corvid Press. This is Episode 343. Hello, listeners! Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm your host, Chris Lester. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. Each week, I bring you a piece of my fresh new fiction, and tell you about my life and my writing. So let's get started! Here is this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 8 of Honor Tested by L.C. Williams. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 336 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. Natasha has been a hireling of House Bellevue for a little more than three weeks, In that time, her relationship with Honor has grown in strength and intensity. This afternoon, as she and Honor were on their way home after having tea with Alex's mother, Honor confessed that she was in love with Natasha. She admitted one other thing, too. The power exchange that they experimented with early in their relationship is not something she can do lightly or recreationally. Honor consents that there is another version of herself waiting to emerge, a submissive self that wants to belong to Natasha completely. If Honor ever lets Natasha collar her again, it will be for keeps. Natasha will be her mistress, and the Lady Honor will only be a mask for public consumption. She cannot play at being Natasha's slave, so if Natasha wants Honor in that way, she had better be ready to commit to it. Natasha was shocked at this confession, and disturbed at the amount of trust in her that it implied. She does want honor, but the sort of bond that honor is talking about, which the sensualists call a covenant, is something very like a marriage. Natasha never imagined being in that sort of relationship, and she's sure that she isn't ready for it. Honor accepted this, and entrusted Natasha with her mother's butterfly necklace, which has become the symbol of Honor's submission. When Natasha is ready to become Honor's mistress in truth, she can put the necklace on Honor, and Honor will be hers. The submissive has the power to say no, always. Honor has just given Natasha the power to say yes.
1: Honour Tested. The House of Bellevue. Book Two. By L.C. Williams. Narrated by Vivian Ferrari. Chapter Eight. Exercise. Honour had some letters to write before dinner, so Natasha left her in her chambers and headed back to her own bedroom. She had just unlocked the door when she caught a flicker of movement in her peripheral vision, behind her and to the right. She spun around, put her back to the door, and saw Lord Graham, Honor's forty-something cousin, coming around the corner of the hallway. He stopped abruptly, as if he were surprised to see her, but not displeased. Oh, hello, Miss Volkova, he said, his tone bright and friendly. Lovely day we're having, isn't it? How are you? Natasha felt her eyes narrow. Graham's room was on the opposite side of the building, and she had not heard his footsteps, which meant he had been waiting behind that corner for at least as long as it had taken Natasha to come from Honor's room. I am well, she said warily. Splendid. Graham's eyes darted left took in the closed door to honor's chambers, then slid back to her. I take it my cousin is done with you for now. No companionly duties to discharge. In talking to Graham, Natasha often pretended to be less proficient with common than she actually was. In this case, though, she did not have to fake it. Discharge, she asked, a vision of soldiers firing rifles running through her mind. Do you have work right now? Graham asked, enunciating his words a little more slowly and clearly than was strictly necessary. I am going to exercise, Natasha said. It was the truth. Lord Bellevue had given her access to the guard's workout room, and she needed to stay in condition if she was going to protect Honor. Graham did not know this, of course. His eyebrows shot up. Goodness, how very modern of you. I must confess, I'm a bit of a fitness enthusiast myself. I suppose I can thank the army for that. He patted his own chest, which seemed to swell a little under his touch. Mens sana in corpore sano, you know. Natasha vaguely recalled hearing that phrase before, but if anyone had told her what it meant, she did not remember it now. Uh, yes, quite, she said. She actually didn't know what that meant, either, but according to Warner, it was a polite thing to say when she had no idea what a person was going on about. Graham slid a few paces closer to her. Tell me, what's your regimen like? Some sort of calisthenics? Bicycling? Tennis? His smile turned lascivious. Or do you prefer the more intimate forms of exercise? Natasha folded her arms and leaned back against her bedroom door. Alarm bells were going off in her head now. Graham had the same oily demeanor that Major Rutgers had used when he was singling out village girls to be his prey. She didn't think he would actually be able to harm her, not in a fair fight anyway, but the hallway was empty except for the two of them, and the bedroom doors muffled sound surprisingly well. She was alone with a powerful man, and if things went badly, she knew which one of them would be believed. She needed to discourage him from this line of questioning, and fast. I fight, she said bluntly. You know so what? Graham's eyes widened. "Lantony's kickboxing? Why, that's the same art they taught us in the army. da," she said, smirking at his reaction. I sparred with guards, Greenlee and Dorian. The two guards were fellow veterans, though they had served in the Fanchoir and Arambi theaters rather than in Songefield. How remarkable, Graham said, and emphasized both words equally. And how progressive of them, Teaching a lady to defend herself. That wasn't what had happened, of course. Natasha had learned Savat in the army and learned it better than either of her current sparring partners. But she saw no need to correct him. Da, she said again. And I am late for practice, so please excuse me. She nodded to him in parting, turned the doorknob, and entered her room without turning her back on him. He did not say another word. Natasha quickly changed into her workout clothes, grabbed a hand towel for her sweat, filled a bottle with water from the washroom tap, and went downstairs to the exercise room. The servants had told her it was a women's parlor a generation back, but Lord Bellevue had had the space converted more than thirty years ago, when the nobility first began to recognize the virtues of physical exercise. Bellevue was not as spry as he had once been— and only Natasha and the servants regularly used it now. The room was on the large side, about fifteen feet by thirty, and had a floor of springy and absorbent woven matting. Bars had been mounted along the two longer walls for stretching, and there were weight benches at the far end of the room, with racks of free weights, barbells, and medicine balls. Along the near wall, to Natasha's left and right, there were freestanding chin-up bars and suspension rings, plus a stationary bicycle. In the middle of the room, a ten-by-ten-foot space was marked out on the floor with lines of white paint, which served as the kickboxing ring. Dorian was already waiting for her, a tall, rangy man, a few years older than Natasha, with dark hair and eyes and olive skin. His long, prominent nose looked like it had been broken in two or three places over the years, and his hollow cheeks... Narrow, triangular face and scraggly chin beard reminded Natasha of a goat. He grinned and bowed to her as she approached, and Natasha returned the gesture with a nod. How's your day, Volkova? Dorian asked. I am ready to hit something, Natasha said. Dorian flashed his teeth again. Same as most days, then. Da. They spent a few minutes doing stretches and warm-up exercises in companionable silence. Dorian did not expect Natasha to make a lot of idle conversation, which was one reason she liked him. When they were both ready, they bound their hands, wrists, and ankles with protective tape, put on the special boots and gloves required by the sport, and commenced to pummeling each other. Competitive savate was a highly formalized sport— which allowed only four types of kicks and four types of punches. Natasha had seen tournament matches and found them, frankly, boring. The martial art that was taught in the army was savate des rues, or street savate, and it was both more flexible and more brutal in its approach. Besides punching and kicking, Natasha and Dorian struck with knees and elbows, used leg sweeps and throws to take each other to the mat, and deployed arm locks and other submission holds to keep the other down. A match ended when one or the other slapped the mat twice. Over the next half hour, they went through half a dozen matches in quick succession, of which Natasha won four. Dorian never went easy on her because she was a woman, and that was another reason she liked him. They were taking a break for water and to catch their breath when the door to the room opened and Lord Graham walked in, he was dressed in the traditional loose vest and trousers of competitive savate, and he had his gloves and boots tucked under one arm. His belly had a small but distinct paunch that was only visible because of the skimpy uniform, but he had a solid, powerful frame, and his arms and legs still looked well-toned. Dorian immediately straightened to attention. Lord Graham, it's been a while since I've seen you in here, sir. Graham shot the guard an irritated look, as if he didn't care to be reminded that he was out of practice. He covered it with a bland smile a moment later.
0: "'Miss
1: Volkova reminded me of how much I missed it,' he said, turning his eyes on Natasha. "'Perhaps you would like to go a few rounds. I may be able to give you some guidance on your technique. I should tell you, I did win top marks in my division for three years running.' Privately, Natasha wondered what the purpose was of such a boast. Was he trying to impress her? If so, talk was cheap. If he was as good as he implied, that skill would be obvious when she stepped into the ring with him. If he wasn't, he would look like a fool. Either way, she was annoyed at him for intruding on her practice time. But a request from a nobleman could not be easily dismissed. And so, warily... She nodded. Best of three, she offered. Splendid, Graham said. Natasha drank some more water and waited for the nobleman to complete his warm-up exercises. His stretches seemed designed more to show off his muscle tone than to actually prepare for combat. Natasha only watched him with half an eye, but she caught him sneaking repeated looks in her direction. Perhaps he wanted to see if she was impressed. Dorian sidled up next to her, his eyes on the weight benches at the far end of the room. In a voice low enough that only Natasha could hear, he said, Be careful, Volkova. Natasha quirked an eyebrow in his direction. She responded in the same tone. Oh, is he very good then? Dorian's mouth compressed into a thin line. He seemed to struggle with putting something into words. Not as good as he believes. Natasha shrugged one shoulder. This is true of most men, I find, the guard grimaced. Just be careful. Natasha felt sure that she was missing something. She would have questioned him further, but Graham was stepping forward now into the ring, pulling on his gloves and eyeing Natasha expectantly. She set aside her water, put on her own gloves, and came up to face him from about six feet away. They bowed to each other from the waist, keeping their eyes on each other the whole time. Graham smirked, and his finely groomed goatee exaggerated the expression. Natasha gazed back at him, her face blank, and waited. Graham was the first to move, rushing at Natasha in a head-on charge. He snapped out a straight front kick at Natasha's waist, and she rolled back two steps to evade it, keeping her guard up. He leapt forward off his back foot, pressing his attack, and transitioned into a spinning roundhouse kick at Natasha's ribcage. The strike was powerful, but slow, and Natasha danced to the side, throwing a jab at the noble's face as he came out of the kick. He raised both fists to block, an overreaction, and one that Natasha exploited with a knee strike to the solar plexus, she drove the knee hard into the noble's soft, fleshy belly, and the air came out of him in a whoosh. He staggered, momentarily stunned, and Natasha swept his feet out from under him and rode him to the mat. He landed on his side, and Natasha rolled him over, bending his arm into a submission hold. Uh, bloody hells, Graham snarled. Yield, Natasha said. Graham's lip curled back in anger, but he slapped the mat twice with his free hand. Natasha let him go and stepped back to her starting place. The nobleman glared at her as he got to his feet. That was not Lantony rules. Never said it was, Natasha said. Did you forget Savate roots since you left army? Graham flashed a hateful look over at Dorian. You taught this, this woman street Savat? Dorian bowed diffidently, saying nothing and did not correct Lord Graham's assumptions. When Graham looked away, Natasha saw a vindictive smile flit across the guard's face. Well then, Graham straightened, his eyes narrowing at Natasha in speculation. That changes things. Savate des it is, then. He bowed stiffly to Natasha, who returned it. Then he came at her again. He still moved quickly, but he was more cautious this time, testing her defenses, circling left and right to look for an opening. He was light on his feet for a man of his size, and Natasha had to watch him closely to counter his movements. They spiraled around the ring together, throwing a front kick here, a jab there, each waiting for the other to make a mistake. Natasha had been fighting hard for more than half an hour already, and the rapid footwork began to take its toll. Her breathing grew more labored, and muscles began to burn with the expended effort. Graham was still fresh, and now he seemed to be enjoying himself. His strikes became almost playful, darting in to score hits against her shins, buttocks, and breasts. There was no real power behind the blows, but they were fast enough to slip past her guard, and just painful enough to be irritating. Natasha felt like a sheepdog being toyed with by crows, getting her tail pulled for their amusement. She felt the anger rise up inside her, a dark and ugly thing that she had tried to leave on the battlefield. She grew more aggressive with her strikes, putting more power behind them. Graham noticed, his lips curled back from his teeth, an expression too mocking and carnivorous to be called a smile. "'Oh, there she is,' he purred, his voice still coming out smooth and mocking, even as he was starting to breathe hard. "'I knew the barbarian was in there somewhere. You Vyashans are people of the bear, aren't you? Well, come on, then. Show me your claws.' The air of smug superiority in his words struck a nerve deep inside her. I will show you claws, Mudak. Natasha bared her own teeth, and on his next jab, she grabbed his arm and tried to pull him into a grapple. Rather than trying to break free, he moved with her, closing into her space with shocking speed, Natasha backpedaled, and while she was off balance, he hooked a leg behind her and swept her feet out from under her. She hit the mat in an eye blink, landing hard on her back. He had his knee on her neck a second later. The pressure on her throat gave her a sudden, terrible flashback. A Telvari soldier bearing down on her with the stock of his rifle, trying to crush her windpipe on the floor of a muddy trench. In real life... The soldier had taken a bullet from one of Natasha's squad mates before he could kill her, but that ten or twenty seconds had felt like an eternity. It was not her last brush with death, but it was certainly the most intimate. She'd been staring wide-eyed at his face, gasping for air, and when the bullet tore through the man's neck, the spray of arterial blood had painted her face red. The horror of that moment featured frequently in her nightmares— Now it played itself out again in front of her, as real and terrible as life. Yield, the dying soldier growled, somehow speaking even though his larynx was in pieces against the wall of the trench. She gasped and fought, frantically waiting for his hands to go slack and the rifle to fall, but the pressure on her neck only grew stronger. Yield, you stupid bloody sow! or are you somehow enjoying this? Milord. Someone grabbed the enemy soldier by the torso, bare arms wrapping tight around his chest. Stop it, Milord, you'll kill her. Milord? Suddenly the trench was gone. The soldier was gone, and Dorian was heaving Lord Graham off of her. The pressure on her neck eased, and Natasha sucked in a gasp of air. Graham let out a snarl of outrage. Do not touch me, peasant. He regained his feet and shook Dorian off, wheeling on the guardsman with a burning fury in his eyes. You dare lay a hand on me in such a fashion? I'll have you shipped back to Athos in steerage, you sunburnt cur. Dorian bowed his head in deference, but Natasha could see his anger in the way he clenched his fists. When he spoke, his voice was low and controlled. And that would be your right, my lord. Nevertheless, I could not let our house Scion besmirch himself by killing Lady Honor's companion. This seemed to take Graham by surprise. Killing? He frowned in apparent confusion, looked back at Natasha, who was still gasping and shaking on the floor. She still couldn't get enough air. Her heart pounded against her chest, her pulse thudding in her ears. Her whole body was drenched in sweat, and she could not tell if it was from the exercise, or the flashback, or both. My God, woman, what happened to you? Graham no longer sounded angry, just mystified. Natasha just stared at the man, her mouth working soundlessly. Her brain felt like it was trapped in a fog. My lord. She has soldier's heart. Dorian's voice, low enough that no one beyond the three of them would have heard it. Graham snorted, as if the guardsman had made a grim joke. But then Dorian knelt beside Natasha and put a hand on her shoulder, squeezing it firmly. The contact helped to ground her, to make the here and now more real and present than her terrifying vision. You're all right, soldier, Dorian said, craning his neck down to look her in the eyes. You're all right. Natasha reached up and gripped his free hand, squeezing it hard. Gradually, her racing heart quieted, the constricted feeling in her chest eased, and her breathing slowed. She focused on Dorian's eyes, nodded slightly. Spasiba, Moitruk troch. Dorian murmured and helped her to her feet. Lord Graham had been watching this whole exchange with a kind of bewildered fascination. Now he looked Natasha up and down, as if he were really seeing her for the first time. You were in the war, he asked. There didn't seem to be much point in denying it. Ninety-first infantry, she said. Iron Griffins. Graham's eyes went wide, Hivain. He spoke it under his breath, like a quiet curse. As far as Natasha was concerned, it was. She just nodded. The nobleman looked away, now visibly discomfited. After a long, awkward moment, he cleared his throat. Well, that explains why Lord Bellevue invited you to stay with us. A muscle jumped in his jaw, and he added perhaps a bit sullenly. The man has always been taken with heroes. I am not hero, she thought, almost on reflex, but she bit it back before she could say it. However she felt about what she had done at Havain, the Empire's elite saw it quite differently. She had the medals to prove it. And if her being branded a hero would persuade Graham to back off of her, then by all the gods she would take it. She headed back to her corner of the ring, picked up her towel and water. After mopping off her face and taking a long drink, she headed for the exit. Where are you going? Graham asked. We agreed to best of three. Natasha stopped and sighed, suddenly feeling profoundly weary. Is not necessary, Lord Graham. I yield third match. You win. Behind her, Dorian made a sucking sound between his teeth. Natasha looked back at him. The guard had a pained expression on his face. He shook his head slightly, as if in warning. Lord Graham seemed not to notice this. He was glaring at her now, and looked deeply offended. You shall do nothing of the sort, he said. I will not have it said that a jumped-up farm girl let me win. Natasha was sick of this man. She should never have agreed to this match in the first place. If she fought him again now, so soon after an episode, she had no idea what would happen. She might forget where she was again. She might kill him. Her hands were trembling, and she vividly imagined wrapping them around his throat. Tell people whatever you want, she said flatly. You want to say you beat me? Say it. I will not disagree. This seemed to make him even angrier. So you would have me be a liar then. I do not care what you are, Natasha snapped. I serve Lady Honor. I do not serve you. She turned her back on him again and walked faster toward the exit. Soldier's heart, Graham called out behind her, his voice dripping with scorn. They should call it what they did in my father's day. Cowardice. Weakness. If this is what the iron griffins are made of, no wonder you could not push the Telvari out of vein. That stopped Natasha in her tracks. Slowly, she set down her towel and water bottle. Then she turned around and stalked back to Graham, her fists clenched. The noble looked smugly satisfied and returned to his place in the ring for their third match. But Natasha did not take her place again. She continued advancing toward him across the mat. Volkova, Dorian said in a warning tone. Natasha ignored him. Lord Graham must have seen the rage in Natasha's eyes as she approached, because his skin blanched and the smirk slid off his face. What? Natasha whipped out her right arm and backhanded him across the face. Graham had not been ready for it, and he staggered back, looking stunned. Natasha grabbed the front of his vest in both hands and lifted him bodily off the floor, holding his face inches from her own. His eyes were wide with terror. You can insult me, Natasha growled. You can call me farm girl or coward, or suka, or whatever you like. This means nothing to me. What you think of me is not important. But do not insult my brothers and sisters who died in those fields. You were not there. You know nothing. With these last three words, she shook him hard, his body flopping around like an oversized fish. I'm sorry, Graham cried, his voice coming out an octave higher than usual. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, I'm sorry. He did not actually say, don't hurt me, but it was strongly implied. Natasha made a disgusted sound and dropped him. He landed badly, twisted his right ankle, and fell on his ass, letting out a cry of surprise and pain. He bent double and clutched at the ankle. She turned then to Dorian, who had been watching all of this in wide-eyed horror. We will not speak of this, she told him. It would embarrass Lord Bellevue if people learned that his heir was insulting Imperial soldiers. Dorian swallowed hard. Not a word, he promised. Good. She looked back down at the fallen noble, who was now rocking back and forth, hissing out a string of muffled curses. Lord Graham hurt himself exercising. You should help him. Mutely, Dorian nodded. Natasha turned, retrieved her things, and stormed out of the room. This time,
0: no one stopped her. And that's the end of Chapter 8. Come back next time when Honor has her first outing with noble Yasmin and meets the leader of the Succession Reform movement. Chapters of the House of Bellevue will be released over 51 weeks, at a rate of one chapter per week. If you'd like to listen to it faster, all three books are available now on Amazon and Audible. To learn more about these characters and their world, please visit www www.authorlcwilliams.com Now it's time to check in on my writing endeavors. Here's your weekly writing report. This update covers the week of August 20th through August 26th. I wrote 508 words this week, over the course of 0.75 hours, for an average writing speed of 677 words per hour. I wrote on two out of seven days this week. Obviously, this has continued to be a terrible month for writing. Apart from putting together scripts for the podcast, I haven't done any writing since August 3rd. Last weekend, I was focused on rebuilding my podcast buffer, after letting it dwindle down to just two episodes, and this weekend I'm still playing catch-up. During the week, at the day job, I was working on data review almost every day, and didn't want to spend another minute in front of the computer when I didn't have to, so I didn't get any writing done at all. I spent my free time on things like cooking, cleaning, playing piano, having friends over for dinner, and taking walks with Mel and the dogs. I'm trying to think of what I can say about this that hasn't already been said. I'm just having a hard time right now, creatively speaking, and I don't really know why. Hopefully September will be better. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorcityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-715. Then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is Fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2022 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org